let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I am Nikki. And I'm Will. Sherry B. is over in Studio CC, and um, I, I would like to get some response to yesterday's show, Them Before Us. And um, so I, I would like to open the phone lines just a little bit earlier than we normally do. Okay. Because I want people to be able to comment on what we're talking about today mm-hmm. and what we talked about yesterday, if in fact um, people um, were able to hear that show. Great show. Uh, Katie Faust was yes. was a wonderful interview. Yes. I, I enjoyed that so much. Um, I think it's good to be able to talk about things and um, to be able to freely say, well, I don't I don't necessarily I don't agree with that. I don't right. see that that way. Um, and to to demonstrate grace in doing that, um, I think sometimes and this is, you know, you and I were talking about this. Um, I think sometimes there is a perception that when we are talking about opposing those who are enemies of the church, you're standing against um, people who honestly don't care about people and are perfectly fine leading people to destruction. There is a very strong and forceful voice because you're speaking to sort of like a nameless, faceless mass of people who are in this category who are doing this. Mm. But when you're talking to people one-on-one and you disagree, you must do that graciously. Yeah. Like you don't just like come off the top ropes <laughs> with people <laughs> that you love and care about when you have disagreements, you know, there's, there's supposed to be understanding there. And yeah. so anyways, um, but I thought that was a great interview and I wanted to get some of our listeners take on it. I hope that it answered Lisa's question. I hope so too. Um, that she, you know, felt like her, that the responses um, were the types of responses that she could work with in her communication with anyone from here on out, which is, which is a large part of, you know, um, why we talk through the things we talk through, not just to recite facts and stats, but it's to help Christians have a working uh, knowledge of our faith so that we Mm -hmm. can discuss these things conversationally. Like we can just talk about it with one another, our friends and family, and even those who would oppose us, but that we can do so with gentleness, right. And a right fear of God. So Anyway, that's the plan. That's the roadmap. But, you know, if we have to take a little detour, (laughs) just hope that there's cool gas stations. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the Marriage Family Life Conference is coming up at the end of June. Let's remind our listeners about it. All right. June 24th uh, to the 26th, Marriage Family Life Conference. You can go to marriagefamilylife.net to register. Uh, Make sure you do so within this time frame because we're in the early bird special uh, rate and so that will be until April the first. And so you may want to make sure that you go and register now. Go to marriagefamilylife.net. And just like I say all the time, you know, we have set this up that families can be a part of this, that whole families can come. We have a youth apologetics track from ages four to 17. And so your children will be ministered to as well. I'm encouraged to see there, there are a lot of families who are registering. 
So I'm seeing, you know, uh, uh, mother, father, and, and multiple kids. So it's also mm, you know, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That is so great. Man, I'm excited. I can't wait great. to get to meet so many of our listeners from um, all across the network. I mean, you yes. know, just to meet people who love Jesus mm-hmm. and can see what's going on and want to be equipped and are willing to come out and join with other like-minded believers who see what's going on and want to be equipped. Amen. It's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's marriagefamilylife.net, by yes. the way. Marriagefamilylife.net. All right, today's topic, Beth Moore. Ooh. Um, and, and I think her name stands alone. Beth Moore um, <laughs> has, <laughs> has huge um, name recognition among um, women, for sure. Mm-hmm. Before I even knew who Beth Moore was, I was a part of a women's Bible study um, that used one of her Bible studies. It was a Beth Moore book. Mm-hmm. And if I had thought about it, I would have grabbed the book. I have it somewhere from the books that you and I merged once we married. <laughs> so, so there's tons of books. Um, but I have it from my college days uh, being a part of a Beth Moore Bible study. And so, you know, Beth Moore, and I'll, I'll probably go through a little bit of this because for our listeners, um, if you are unfamiliar with Beth Moore or if you've only learned about Beth Moore recently, then maybe there's a little bit of background. And and I actually found this background helpful. I mm-hmm. didn't really know how Beth Moore became, you know, Beth Moore. <laughs> there's a difference when you, you see what my emphasis yeah, is, right? Yeah, how Beth Moore it. became Beth Moore. <laughs> um, but, but there's a story there. And I thought it was really interesting from um, religion news service. Uh, religion news service has this interview that they did with her where she announced that she is separating from the Southern Baptist convention or separating. She's no longer a Southern Baptist. And she is, according to this article that I read, she is still Baptist, but she is not Southern Baptist. Okay. Um, now I think that we should invest the time to clearly communicate as best we can, what Beth Moore has said. Right. Um, in addition I think we should invest the time to also look at why her departure is problematic and it didn't have to be her departure. Didn't have to be problematic. Um, Remember the word of God is our straight edge. So we come back to that. And also remember that there, I just have not encountered a situation that pertains to life and godliness that is not covered by the word. Amen. I just haven't. I'm like, you know, maybe that could be a game show. You know, Christians might be amused, you know, like stump the Bible. Like, you know what I mean? Have a something that pertains to life and godliness, whatever it is, bring yeah. it. And then you, try to find where the Bible doesn't cover it. Mm. And and I just probably wouldn't last that long. People would just get tired of saying, okay, the Bible speaks to this. The Bible speaks to this. But that would be fun to play. Um, hmm. So Beth hmm. Moore, go, just think about it. Somebody yeah. run with that. Okay. Um, Pure flicks. You guys do something. Um, so, so Beth Moore. Um, started teaching a Bible study or sharing devotions during her aerobics classes uh, back in the 80s. So in 1980, she Hmm. began sharing devotionals during her aerobics classes. She taught at First Baptist Church in Houston. Hmm. Uh, Then she began teaching a popular women's Bible study at the church, which eventually, according to this article, attracted thousands each week. In the early 1990s, she wrote a Bible study manuscript and sent it to Lifeway, which was then known as Baptist Sunday School Board, the Baptist Sunday School Board. Um, That Bible study was rejected. However, a Lifeway staffer saw Beth Moore teaching a class in person and then Lifeway changed its mind. Hmm. And they were like, you know, 
run us that Bible study again. Let us take a look at it, you know. Um, her first Bible study, A Woman's Heart, God's Dwelling Place, was published in 1995 and, according to this article, was a hit, leading to dozens of additional studies, all backed up by hundreds of hours of research. And um, these Bible studies, according to this article, reflected uh, Moore's relentless desire to know more about the Bible. Here is something else that I found interesting and in talking about the type of revenue that Beth Moore brought in with these Bible studies and these conferences. We're talking about numbers in the millions that, mm -hmm. that she was incredibly um, successful in her Bible studies and the way she went through those Bible studies resonated with Christian women. Um, but then this article says that began to change when Beth Moore criticized president Trump mm. <laughs> and I, I don't want to get to, I don't want to get too far ahead. Okay. I want to, I want to, we want to take our time here. Okay. So here you have that background of Beth Moore, her um, successful rise to, you know, I hate to say rise to prominence. I mean, you know, but people knowing who she is and she writes and teaches Bible studies. Right. So all of that, she's successful for decades. Um, and then President Trump <laughs> comes along and all of that <laughs> success seemingly, according to this article, and I'm paraphrasing here, mm -hmm. um, seemingly comes to like a slow crawl. Like they're, they're because. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So, but now, okay. So let's, let me, let's go back to the article. Okay. Then along came Donald Trump. Moore's criticism of the 45th president's abusive behavior toward women mm -hmm. and her advocacy for sexual abuse victims turned her from a beloved icon to a pariah in the denomination she loved all her life. Now, um, I'm not 100 per sure, 100 per sure. That's no, a word. That's good. I call I, that. I, one. I call that. No, I call it. <laughs> I'm for sure. That means you're really sure. I'm not 100 percent sure that that's the, that is the reason that people began to scrutinize Beth Moore and ask some questions. And we're going to talk about that because we want to be fair right. and we want to really explore this. Right. We want to talk about the implications of her departure and what it says to a watching world and, and what we have talked about on this program that we have to be careful of, you know, what would be the coming persecution of Christians and how other Christians will speed that up in things that they say publicly and things that they do. And so I want to make the case for that. I want to talk about it just a little bit, okay. but back to this article, um, she began calling out Donald Trump and apparently um, uh, and this is an interview that she conducted with religious religion news services, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this is the information that they gathered from her, um, which, by the way, the interview was conducted by a former Lifeway staffer. So they disclosed that in this interview. And, and <laughs> I appreciate that. OK. Um, she began calling out President Trump and she expected that fellow evangelicals would come along with her mm -hmm. and saying, hey, this is wrong. Um, we must call this out and I'm paraphrasing this article here, which by the way, the full article will be in the show notes so that you can read it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, she was surprised that she was labeled liberal and woke. <laughs> now mm. I, I think that there is something um, I think there, there are some gaps here 
that have to be filled in. Yeah, that's more that to this, the story. Than, yes. Than, yeah. For sure. We talked about some of the things that she did, you know. Yeah, and but, we will talk about those things yeah, again. Come on. We have the to. whole story. Come because on, I am, look, I am for sure that there is more. <laughs> for sure. For sure. There's more to this story. Right. And it doesn't take away from what Beth Moore is sharing that mm-hmm. she experienced. It doesn't take away from that, mm-hmm. but I think it brings some things into focus a little bit more right. that I think is necessary. I think these things are necessary to know. Right. So anyway, back to this article, finally, mm-hmm. Beth Moore had had enough, uh, had enough and she's, she's no longer Southern Baptist. Okay. She said, quote, I am still a Baptist, but I can no longer identify with Southern Baptist. This was a phone interview that was conducted. Mm-hmm. Quote, I love so many Southern Baptist people, so many Southern Baptist churches, but I don't identify with some of the things in our heritage that haven't remained in the past. Hmm. Hmm. Now. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's pause here. Okay. And let's let's look at the scriptures. Okay. Amen. So the problem that I have with this is that Beth Moore is saying something about every other Southern Baptist, okay, that to me is a serious charge, mm-hmm. okay? She doesn't say that the heritage of the Southern Baptist Convention or the Southern Baptist denomination is one that is built up on a split down the issue or a split because of the issue of slavery. Mm-hmm. Those are facts. That's not, that's not opinion, That's not emotionalism. Those are facts. Mm -hmm. Okay. But she doesn't say that that was in the past. She said that there are things that haven't remained in the past Mm -hmm. that are a part of quote unquote, our heritage. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb, you know, um, (laughs) and I'm going to say that those things she's talking about ethnicity and she's talking about the founding of this denomination. Mm -hmm. Right over the issue of slavery, the split over the issue of slavery. The problem is she strongly suggests that whatever fueled that divide and the founding of this new denomination, those things are not things we must speak of in historical terms. Mm. Those things are still going on. Mm. Okay, I'm trying to be very careful here. But the problem is it could inadvertently, I'm being very generous here, (laughs) sound like the Southern Baptists are still a bunch of quote unquote racists. Mm. It was founded on racism. And so I got to get out of Dodge. Now, we're talk about why that's a problem when we get back. Erin Lee Addison's American Family Radio. Stay there. All right, welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and it's Tremble by Mosaic MSC. Back to this religion news services article, or religion news service article, and then we will turn to the Word of God. We're talking about Beth Moore and her declaration that she's no longer Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. She is Baptist, but not Southern Baptist. And that's a, that's a major statement. 
that Beth Moore is making because the distinction historically or from the beginning was excuse the expression down color line. Like that's, that's, Mm. that was the separation. And so what Beth Moore is saying, and even when she says some things from our past that have not remained in the past, um, she's saying that Southern Baptist Mm -hmm. as, as a denomination has ongoing issues with as our, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, I mean, they they talk about it all the time. Look, come on, man. That's exactly it. That's what (laughs) that's exactly it. Now it's interesting to me that this article kind of outlines the fallout with Southern Baptist leaders because she refused to throw her hat of support, so to speak behind Donald Trump. And she talks about this uh, in this interview. Um, But I want to say something and, and, you know, um, if, if Beth Moore's, reason for kind of falling out of the good graces of Southern Baptists was solely because she refused to throw her full support behind Trump, then I can understand there being like, a okay, listen, you guys, we have to be united over the gospel. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. believe that we should support him. I don't agree with this. I think that this is uh, problematic. I think she is free to do that. And still be respected and still, you know, have mm-hmm. women come and hear her speak. Now you say, well, Miki, why do you believe that? Well, because the Bible shows us an example of a sharp rift, of a separation, a difference over like, I don't think we should do this. I think we should do this. But it does not refer to doctrine. It does not refer to the integrity of the gospel as the gospel is communicated. Right. Now, there, there are some people who would say, yes, it did. Well, you got you do another show on that. I don't want to do that. What I want to say is Christians are free to say, I don't think that we can support this politician because of that being in their past. And that that does not upset their standing in the church. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So here we have this story in Acts, right? Um, Acts chapter 15, Mm -hmm. where Paul and Barnabas have a sharp rift over Mm -hmm. Barnabas's cousin. Family will mess you up. Yep. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, Barnabas. Um, well, you can't talk to him, but you know what I'm saying, right? Um, so here we go. Acts chapter 15. I'm going to start, start at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Mm-hmm. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And I want to pause for a second here because this word withdrawn is a very strong word. It is, it means to desert, mm. to retreat. Like it's like, think of like being in the heat of a battle mm-hmm. and the person you look over it and you're like, fire, fire your weapon. And, and then the person is just like, and, and, you know, they're in like the, the hole, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're cowering. Mm-hmm. So this retreat here that is described of Mark is not something like he was just like, ah, you know, I'm gonna sit this one out. <laughs> Paul felt like they were in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And where's Mark? And Barnabas felt like, well, give him another chance. Mm-hmm. Give him, a, give him an opportunity to, 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 to be, you know, available and and ready should the thick of it present itself again. All right. So verse 39, and there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. 
Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Uh, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So this is a very clear, like, I love the, I love the presentation of the humanity yeah. in the Bible. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just real life. Yeah, like, I mean, real. you know, I mean, come on, guys, we no have to love coding. our word, right? Yeah. Like, this is just real life. So I love that we get to see that, you know, Barnabas, who came to, to you know, Saul, brother mm -hmm. Saul, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and, and wanting to take uh, his cousin along and Paul saying, well, you know, he deserted us. He withdrew from us the first time around. I don't think it makes sense for us to take him again. And such a, a sharp disagreement that they separate. Yeah. And, 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 and Barnabas is like, well, I'm going to take cuz. I'm going right. to take cuz, you know? And, and then I'm Paul out. takes Silas. I'm out, mm -hmm. right? Um, it would be okay for Beth Moore to feel like, hey, you know, listen, I, I just cannot gel with um, what I feel like is just a willingness to overlook this or people not addressing that. And I'm, I don't want to put words in her mouth, nor do I want to give her a defense. She can speak for herself as it's been proven for decades. <laughs> but I'm saying if there, is a, if there is a separation or if there is a um, stepping back then the Bible instructs us on how to deal with that. Like if it's not over a doctrinal issue, then she's free. If she says, you know, I just want to, I'm going to write books independently. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm going to do Bible studies independently. I'm not going to be affiliated with the denomination or whatever. Then that would be fine. But that is not the way Beth Moore is leaving. And I think that is a problem for, for uh, Southern Baptist. That is a problem because the picture that is being painted is that I can no longer be associated with these people who are still allowing, as our culture calls it, <laughs> racism to flourish mm -hmm. or to go unchecked. But now let me tell you something that I think this article does not do the best job. Um, this, this article, in my opinion, is a soft piece <laughs> in favor of Beth Moore. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Gotta Just want to make sure gaps, we're all man. on the same page. Okay. So, <laughs> so if we, if we really wanted to do sort of like a, you know, a straight piece here um, that took a look at what was actually going on and which by the way, um, there's no mention of Beth Moore's quote unquote, I overshot scripture by a mile. Mm -hmm. There's no mention of the, Hashtag Me Too movement beginning to define her communication style mm -hmm. and and adopting things from the world and then bringing that into the church and, and demanding my word here, demanding that the church use these terms. There's there's no real mention of that. And, and so then when you see things like, oh, yeah, you're liberal and you're woke and you just have that accusation without a context, it looks like, oh. Oh, because you put your you put your hands on Trump, so to speak. Mm. And, and so then now, you know, you're you're out, you're liberal and you're woke. And that's not really all that was involved. Mm -hmm. So for that, let's turn to 2019 and let's look at, you know, just one of the things that most concerned us. And we did a show on this. Yeah, we did. And because and, there's go ahead. Will. And I would say if you talk to some people, they would say before Trump, they were beginning to like. Yes, you know that's right. That's exactly <laughs> move right. Away from her, like because some people have said that she used way too many allegories in trying to 
teach the Bible. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was beginning to be, be a fluffy. too fluffy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cotton candy. And just a little <laughs> bit, just a little bit. You're absolutely right about that. So Beth Moore had a book, um, praying God's word. And in that book, she talked about being set free from sexual strongholds and included in the sexual strongholds that she discussed was homosexuality. Okay. And this is what she wrote. Now, the reason this is important is because I want to say this was like what, 10 years ago, I think that she wrote this book and she removed like six pages from the book Mm -hmm. that outlined what I'm about to tell you. Okay. And, and then when she was pressed on, why has that been removed from the book? Her initial response was she overshot scripture by a mile. (laughs) In other words, I ran out ahead of scripture and what I said was wrong. Okay. Let's look at what she said. This is, this is from the book, praying God's word. Okay. And this is what was removed. Before we proceed to our scripture prayers for overcoming sexual strongholds, we are wise to address another deadly sexual assault of the evil one in our society. Please, we must emphasize another deadly sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Another. That means in addition, okay, to what we have already talked about, Mm -hmm. another deadly sexual assault Mm -hmm. um, of the evil one in our society, homosexuality. I have wonderful news for anyone who has struggled with homosexual sin. God indeed can deliver you and anxiously awaits your full cooperation. Do not let Satan shame you into not seeking forgiveness, fullness, and complete restoration in Jesus Christ. I know complete transformation is possible, not only because God's word says so, but because I have witnessed it with my own eyes. I know plenty of believers who have been set free from homosexuality. She goes on to say that homosexuality isn't love, that she's convinced that God wants us to speak freedom from pulpits to every kind of captive, not just the socially acceptable ones. (laughs) Now people, there's so much compassion in that. And and there's so much like not, I don't know. It's, it's almost as if she was suggesting that homosexuality should not have been mentioned. Do you understand what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So in other words, there should have been a special treatment of it in the book, which (laughs) it later did receive and that these pages were removed, that they were not in in, in future printing. I mean, look, those pages should not have been removed. No, they should not. (laughs) And so initially when she was pressed on this question, why did you remove these pages? Mm -hmm. She responded, excuse me, she responded via Twitter. And this is what she said. Um, It was not a fast decision. I'm going to quote her directly here. Uh, She says, it was not a fast decision. I took several years to contemplate what to do about it as I watched the damage it caused. No, as you watch culture change. It's an old book, (laughs) but still widely used. It was not my intention, but I made people feel demonized. I overshot scripture by a mile. End quote. Man, why does she sound like Max Licato? Um. Listen, okay. <laughs> I don't understand. This? See this, but you know what? Because because the time that we are living in demands special treatment for certain sin. Mm. Do you understand? Demands special treatment, so it cannot even be in the category of another deadly sexual sin mm-hmm. or destructive sexual. You, you can't even mention it. Don't, don't you say can't that. mention be quiet it? Quiet about that. 
So when we start talking about the issues that people have had with Beth Moore, it's not about her, you know, um, not throwing her name of support behind Donald Trump. It's not about her saying she suffered sexual abuse um, in her youth, which she has said. I mean, I think these are things that people could and should understand mm-hmm. like to, that it could it could be something. And she in this article, she talks about um, when she read the transcripts of the Access Hollywood tapes, you know, mm-hmm. of of uh, President Trump talking about conduct with women. Mm-hmm. I think if we want to be generous and we should, if we want to be generous in our communication, we should say, man, you know, if if a woman has suffered abuse, that kind of abuse, man, it could it could be sort of traumatic again mm-hmm. to read that mm-hmm. and to 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 kind of be snapped back to what you. Yeah. I think that's yeah. that. Come on. We can yeah. we can be generous enough and loving enough to say that's real that mm-hmm. we don't need that to be contrived. Right. Just to support our candidate. You understand what I'm saying? You can mm-hmm. say, man, I can understand how that is hurtful. Now, I do think in this article, what she says was that basically those comments made by uh, President Trump. Before he was president, obviously, that those right. those comments were overlooked by evangelicals and that she says evangelicals rallied around him. That is not true. Actually, the president apologized for that, even dire- <laughs> directly to Mike Pence first and foremost, Mm -hmm. and then to the Christian community. Now, I don't think that you would call that a, oh, we don't care what he said. (laughs) I think that there was, there was pressure and rightfully so, man, you have to, you have to, you have to say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. You have to show remorse publicly for these comments. There's just no way. But that again is not included in the article, right? Right. So here is the problem that I, that I have. Um, about 10 years ago, I did a uh, I did a TV program where I talked about when Christians have problems in the local assemblies that they're a part of. And for that particular topic, I interviewed um, Brother Ray Pritchard mm-hmm. of Keep Believing Ministries. You can hear him on today's issues here on AFR. Um, and there were several things that he said about 10 years ago about how Christians should leave a church. Right. But one of the things that really stood out to me was that he said, when when you have prayed about what is going on within a church, in this case, I'm going to extend it to a denomination. You have prayed about what is going on and you have the peace of God that you need, that you are supposed to leave. And you know that you're certain of that. One of the things among the list of things he said was leave quietly, Mm. leave. And this (laughs) is not what Beth Moore is doing. No. Now, there might be some people who would say, well, she can't leave quietly. She's a public figure. Mm, But a public figure could leave quietly if a public figure does not connect her leaving to accusations that are being made by the world right now against the church. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) So a public figure can leave quietly and say, you know, I just I just I just want to I want to publish my books on my own. I want to host conferences on my own and and can avoid joining in with what I really say will be the collective persecution of the church. Oh, we're not those kinds of Christians. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, those who defend and protect and allow, quote unquote, racists to hide out in their midst. (laughs) I'm not like that. You know, the ones they're also the ones who don't allow people to love who they love. She might have been called a coward by some people though 
to leave that way. And uh, <laughs> but not by the people that matter. Mm. All right, Aaron the Addisons, we'll come back and take some of your calls. Stay right there. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll open the phone lines, 888-589-8840. You can comment on today's topic, talking about Beth Moore uh, leaving the Southern Baptist denomination. And then you can also comment on yesterday's topic, Them Before Us, where we talked uh, with Katie Faust, uh, the founder and the the director of this uh, child's rights or children's rights organization. Um, And then just that was on Lisa's question about if there aren't any other options or if there's abuse uh, with heterosexual couples, then is a homosexual couple situation better? Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, but if you didn't hear yesterday's context, probably not best to comment on that. Let's just stick with today. Yeah. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. The topic is uh, is Beth Moore. Will the Great, was there anything that um, stood out to you that you wanted to comment on this whole thing? I know we kind of talk about it during the break. Yeah, well, the only thing is, I look, if you if you see or follow any of these uh, some, certain, certain people on Twitter or you see some mm-hmm. of their comments, you see that this is not out of, like, it, it would be because of, a feeling of that's racism and that's white supremacy mm-hmm. in this denomination. That's why, you know, I'm leaving like that to me, because that's what they've been saying mm-hmm. like day in and day out, you know, on social media. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, as, as a, a wide group of them that have really submitted to wokeness and, yeah. you know, I'm not Southern Baptist. We're not Southern Baptist, but we, we see what's happening. It's sad yeah. because yeah. it's dividing, you know, uh, that that convention or denomination and not only Southern Baptists is spreading throughout the body of Christ and man, you know, it has to be exposed and and addressed. So, and and, you know, you sent me a link and I began listening to this podcast, but there's also this, um, there is uh, a specific call for people who are leaving denominations, but Mm -hmm. now it's, if if you're leaving denominations Mm -hmm. or leaving churches, for a specific reason, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, cannot, it, it has to be a specific reason that falls under the protection of the current popular conversation. If you're leaving churches or denominations for that reason, they are actually um, outright saying, directly saying, leave loud. Mm-hmm. Like they're saying, don't leave, leave quietly. Leave loud, yeah. Leave loud. That, man, if there is anything that gives an indication of a disdain for the bride, it is the intentional decision to divide and to brutalize the bride, like mm. to leave the bride in tatters. You you don't love the church if you want to destroy the <laughs> unity that is ours because of the spirit of God. You cannot say that you do. You can't walk up to a bride, right, and talk about how much, oh, I just, I love you so much, and then, you know, throw paint on the dress. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like so many people 
who are professing Christians are doing that. They are saying, you know, because, you know, man, well, yeah, I was about to be generous here. They're not (laughs) saying they love the church so much. That's what I, that's what I wish that they were saying, but they're not saying, they're actually saying that they love them. They love themselves so much. Yeah. Right. That yeah. they've got to have sanity and they've got to have peace. And so for that, they've got to leave. And now the call is leave loud. Mm. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Tanya in Arkansas. Hi, Tanya. Hi, hey guys. Thank oh. you for what you do and just putting a good perspective on things. And this Beth Moore thing I was unaware of until I started listening to your program today. So thank you for bringing it to my attention. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I want to say, like I said, I live in Arkansas. So, I mean, definitely within the Baptist belt, I argue with my daughter pretty frequently that I'm not Baptist. I am what I call an open-minded Christian. I'm just a Christian. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. You know, always have been, and um, but do se- seem to always go to Baptist churches just because, you know, that's just where I kind of fall. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've asked through all of this this last year, you know, so many different people that I'm friends with, that I work with, you know, is there a race problem in America? And I haven't found not one person, not one person that says that there is. Not one. Mm. I mean, I just find that kind of odd. If it's such a big deal, mm-hmm. then why can't I find anybody when I work <laughs> with, you know, about 350 people and you know, y'all have kids, and I've got mm-hmm. kids, so you got the sports things. You have different connections. I can't find that one person. <laughs> I, I yeah, that's a thing. You know, and we're all nuts. We're all nuts. None of us are purebreds <laughs> anymore. Tanya, girl, I like you. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> let me just say, that's funny. She said we're all nuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Tanya, let me say this. I think that you are making an excellent point. So much of what we see in media today is trying to control personal one-on-one level conversations. Mm -hmm. It's, it's telling people that you are injured. It's telling people you are triggered. It's telling people you need a safe space. You cannot worship with those people. Oh, and look at what those people are doing. (laughs) But Tanya is absolutely right. Most people when you kind of, you know, at a one-on-one interpersonal level, they're like, we don't have those issues. Yeah. We yeah. don't have those issues. And and I would say, I think maybe, and this just could, could be semantics here, but I think there may be a better way to ask the question, not just does America have a race problem? We would call that partiality. Does America have a partiality problem? Uh, the world has a partiality problem. Right. The world has a partiality problem. I think the question is when you get to that one on one communication like that, you know, interpersonal level communication. The question is, man, have people found ways to address the the misunderstandings and the disagreements that they have? Or do we have, you know, needs for marches in our neighborhoods? And, and, you know, sadly, people will tell Tanya it's because of your privilege that you don't even feel. <laughs> well, then what would they tell me? <laughs> Come on, Will the Great. What would they? Well, what you they, just you, you just being oblivious. I hate you hate yourself. Yeah, I uh-huh. mean, you, you yeah mean, that's right. You know, yeah, that was I, that was a softball <laughs> I threw you. But yeah, that's fine. That's what they tell me. I hate myself. Um, but yeah, no, I think the observation that Tanya's making is a great one. Where do we yeah. go next, Will the Great? Let's go to uh, Suzanne in Arkansas. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, y'all. Um, I was just. Uh, 
they, my son, who has adopted the homosexual lifestyle, just uh, sent me that article and um, said, what do you think about this? Hmm. And I know in his heart he's searching for the Lord. He, 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 we've been in the church, and, and it's just articles like that. It's things like that that, that are going to hinder him from seeing mm. the truth, from seeing the wow. true God, not the God that we want him to be. Come on, or, Suzanne. Or, or, so we can keep on sinning, but the true God. And then the other thing that I didn't see whenever wow. I read the article, but I didn't get that Southern Baptists were uh, were racist in the beginning or, or whatever. And my thought on, on the whole racism thing goes back, I, I can agree with your uh, the previous woman was, I don't consider myself racist. The people I speak with don't consider but I do, if when I'm honest, I do not understand some of the culture, some of the the the, uh, the music or stuff like that, and I don't like it. But that doesn't mean I don't like people who are different color than me. That doesn't mean I think that I'm better than them. Mm-hmm. And then when I heard Mickey say, and you two are just so great. I mean, whenever I heard her say about the bias, I think there is bias. I I'm not around a lot of people that 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 are different colored than me. So it's not that I don't dislike or or anything. It's just that. I have no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it myself. But I really, I, I do not believe I am racist. I do not hate anybody mm-hmm. because of the way God made us. That's just mm. ridiculous. Well, look, Suzanne, as equity director here, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set you up with some black friends because what I hear in your voice there, Suzanne, Stop, is an aching and a longing Stop. for some black friends. And so all we gotta do is, is get together a little coalition. All right. Where everybody gets to experience what it is to live, uh, you know, interculturally. All right. Or multiculturally or extra culturally, whatever culturally. (laughs) Um, Listen, you know, the world has problems. Um, The Bible has solutions for what ails the people of God. Like when when we come to Christ, we have a different manual. So we don't have quotas. What we should be doing, though, is in the in the process of living a faithful Christian life, mm-hmm. we should, we should be running into people who are not like us. Mm-hmm. The gospel demands this, mm-hmm. right? The gospel demands this. So there should become these, excuse the word, organic moments where you are meeting people who are not like you. Um, not only to show who God is in your life, you're living in front of people so that they get to ask you the question, why do you have this hope? Why do you live this way? But also because when that question is raised, then you have the opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Carol in Kansas. Hey, Carol. Oh, hi. Hello. Ooh, I have not been on. I never get connected to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never get through. So I'm so thankful. Um, I day. love you guys. I just think oh, your program you. is wonderful and your big family. And um, isn't Abraham Hamilton your brother? <laughs> in Christ. Um, in Christ. Yeah, we just kind of claim him like a cousin, oh, okay. but we're not related. We kind of grew up together, though. We're not related. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I yes. kind of thought that was okay. I thought he mentioned him maybe when he said sister. He meant not literal, but yeah, in that Christian world. Yes, sister. Well, anyway, I just love all of you guys. I just think you are so educating some of us, and I don't mean white folk. I'm just saying some of us. It is so refreshing because I have, I'm going to give you a little background. I have a. Um, granddaughter who just married a Mexican man. We have two grand, great grandbabies there, and I have a daughter who married a half black. We have a grand uh, great nephew, or no, I have a nephew who is 35 years old, and it was our first experience with having a mixed race. 
uh, baby, and he has been the love of our life. He's just so precious. And honestly, um, it has given us, the Lord has used over and over in our family the race situation so that we are stretching our boundaries so that we can appreciate different races and we all bleed the same. I love that song. But what I wanted to say about this Trump thing is, um, which I did a study with Beth Moore, and I I loved it. You know, she was really good. It's been several years ago. But um, the one thing I'm wondering is she, she doesn't seem to have any grace for, uh, I think President Trump was just saved just not too long. It was either right before his inauguration or during his campaign or something like that he's a fairly new christian is that not right i think so by his by his own i would say by his own um admission he didn't really have a reason to repent before like you know but based on what i have heard from other leaders other christian leaders um dr dobson being one of those when clearly presented with the gospel and then asked the question have you accepted jesus christ have you repented of your sin dr dobson would say that um, that President Trump said yes, that he responded in the affirmative. So then I think what you're getting at is that there was a need for discipleship. Well, yes. And, and you know, he's been so busy. I mean, he trying to win this race, you know. And, yeah, he's, he, to me, acts like a young Christian who's not been, not grown in grace or not grown with, you know, the control of the what you say sometimes, which a lot, I've been a Christian 45 years. I know that a lot of people don't hold their tongue even as a Christian. So my question to Beth Moore would be, who would you vote for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. How, how can her line be? Um, I mean, Joe Biden has said so many strong uh, statements against the black people over his lifetime that, True. you know, <laughs> we, as, we have to stand together as uh, you know, for our country's sake, and mm-hmm. you have to, I, I don't like this phrase, lesser of two evils. I think President Trump stood on so many good moral things, and I've been a pro-lifer for 45 years, and I've stood very strong, and I vote yeah. really for the candidates that are pro-life, and mm-hmm. uh, these babies, yeah. um, if we don't get them say, if we don't protect our precious babies, mm-hmm. Our nation, um, it's a wonder we're not down already. I don't know how God even gives us grace this far. You know, Carol, let me say something to your point, because I I think you're making several really good points here. I I think that the problem is that many Christians allowed for public conservatives to speak for us. Hmm. So Christians didn't do the best job Hmm. at communicating why they were voting the way that they were voting. And it required explanation, but the explanation was worth it. The explanation, it took more time, right? It took more time, but the explanation was worth it. Christians stopped explaining. They stopped talking about what was at stake and why they were voting this way and what that vote didn't mean. Okay, this vote does not mean this. It doesn't mean that I endorse this or I believe this. And they started letting just conservatives take over the conversation. Mm -hmm. So when conservatives took over the conversation on any given day, they may or may not have had Christian conviction Mm -hmm. because remember conservative does not equal Christian. Come on. (laughs) There is a huge (laughs) distinction that must be made there. And so now part of what we are fighting to regain, right? Is this ability to show, listen, we are tasked to live in the world and not be of it, which means that we will make decisions that will not always make sense to onlookers. But we we can defend why we make the decisions that we make. Yeah. And we should be doing that. We should be telling people, especially when there is a question 
that jeopardizes the gospel right. or that calls into question the integrity of the gospel, you must spend the time in making your case. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Christians didn't do that and let secular conservatives do it. You think about that. All right, we're out of time. <laughs> Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.